so I base my work around the tides, <laughs> which is funny to say out loud. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. So I look at the surf every day or and kind of check out the tides that are right for the different types of breaks. And then I kind of work my schedule around that. This is the Learn With Lels podcast. I'm Caitlin Jinko, also known as Lels. I believe that lifelong learning is so important. It allows us to keep improving ourselves and the world around us. And what better way to do that than to hear stories from people of all different walks of life. On the Learn With Laws podcast, I speak with people whom I think the world needs to hear from and with people whom I just think are interesting. We talk about their lives and the lessons they've been learning along the way. I'm very grateful that you've taken the time to listen. I hope you enjoy and that you keep on learning. Hi, everybody, and thank you for listening to episode 40 of the Learn With Lels podcast. This episode is definitely one of my favorites. This week, I spoke with Desiree Gamotin, a Filipina-Canadian who ditched her corporate life in New York City and Toronto to be a remote working surfer girl in Chargao, Philippines. Legit, her life is basically my vision board, and I was fangirling a little too hard when I was talking to her. In our conversation, we talked about why Des decided to make this drastic life change, what her day-to-day is like as a surfer slash remote worker, think work hours based on the tide, surf culture in the Philippines and what it's like surfing amongst people who look like her, which is something I'm dying to experience, and how we have the power to create our own rules. This conversation weirded me out because of how similar Des and I are. We're both Filipinas, Western University journalism alums, and travel-obsessed surfers with a love for Toronto. It also made me so excited for my life because Des helped me to see that you really can build a life that's totally in line with your authentic self. I hope you enjoy this conversation and be sure to check out Des's podcast, Shargao Love Stories. Great. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, So for our listeners, would you mind just like quickly introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Desiree Gamotin, and I um, am a digital, a freelance digital marketer and content creator. Uh, I lived, I was based in Toronto. Well, I grew up in the U.S., like New York and New Jersey. And then uh, I, I moved to Toronto, where I was kind of like the city girl. And then now I'm based in Chargao, Philippines, just kind of working remotely and I've been living here now uh, for about two and a half years um yeah just surfing and um and working and uh yeah so now I have kind of this um type of uh, freelance lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's so cool yeah I I found you on LinkedIn which is kind of random (laughs) Um, yeah, but I read one of your blogs, which was just like talking about how you've like transitioned from working in Toronto to being like in how do you say it, Shargao? <laughs> yes, it's Shargao Island. Shargao. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. in the Philippines, and it's mm-hmm. this just small island, um, very big surf town. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the the biggest break there is called Cloud Nine, so it's become very like a tourist attraction. Not so much anymore now because of the yeah. pandemic, but um, that's how I found it, and 
why I wanted to live there. So yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. I feel like you are just like living my dream life. Like <laughs> I feel like anyone who knows me. So like I'm Filipina too. And like right. try to surf. I like want to be a surfer girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I have always said like, oh my God, I would love to like go to the Philippines and surf and like live there for a little bit, like while working. And so when I saw your blog on LinkedIn, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is living my dream. She's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So you yeah. kind of talked about it a little bit, but do you mind um, just like telling me a bit more about your story and how you got to where you are? So like more about like what you were doing before and then how you've made this transition into this cool life that you're living? Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um I guess it all started back when I was in u university. So I went to Western um, in London, Ontario, uh, University of Western Ontario. So did I. Um, <laughs> did you? <Yes>. Wow. <laughs> Western alumni. <laughs> Go Mustangs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So I, um, I was always kind of this school, you know, it was, well, obviously, I loved the Western parties and events, but I was also very much like a schoolgirl, very involved in all the extracurricular stuff and studies. And then I became the arts and entertainment editor. And then eventually I became the, um, the, the deputy editor uh, for, the, for the Gazette. Mm -hmm. um, so my whole life, I was like already kind of gearing up for this like journalism. Like I only wanted to do journalism. So I studied uh, in media studies and English. So um, my whole life, I kind of had it planned out, like, and then I'm going to get an internship at Toronto Star. And then, you know, I kind of had my whole career planned out. And then, so when I was a deputy editor, I actually had this, um, you know, one of the Toronto editors be like, it'd be great if you did an internship. I was like, sweet, like, this is going to be my career. And then... <laughs> My one uh, really good friend was, li was living in Japan and she said, you should visit. Like, I have a place here. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to find a place to stay here. And I've never really traveled before. Um, I went to the Philippines once with my dad, um, but that was kind of it. Um, and I said, yeah, sure. Like, I'll just go solo. Like, I've never really traveled, but I'll do it instantly caught the travel bug like I after that I thought I was just screwed I was like oh no <laughs> because it was just whole different world like Japan is just the coolest country so I was there traveling you know I, I was with her but she was working so I would travel by myself like up the mountains and then just interact with these people and like the sensations and the sushi and the food like it was this whole universe that I, I was like, why, what? Like, how did I not know about this? So then when I came back, I was, you know, in tears, didn't want to leave. Like, you know, I had to go back to my life in, you know, Toronto and oh no, not in Toronto. I was still in London. But then I was like, I had to leave all my plans. Like this is, it's over now. Like I can't do, I have to travel Like now that I know about this world. So then I kind of took off from that uh, career life. And then I just traveled to, um, I, I took a job teaching English in Seoul in Korea. And then I 
then after that, I traveled to the Philippines. I went, I lived in, like I was staying in India and Nepal for about three or four months, cool. um, you know, did the Himalayan trek. So I was very much like a traveler, loved travel, loved experiencing all these things like bungee jumping and, you know, extreme sports like, you know, kayaking, surfing, um, whitewater rafting, all this stuff. Um, and then so eventually, you know, I had to come back and I was I was like, OK, I kind of need to be an adult here and move back and <laughs> kind of start my life Um Twitter happened at that time and I so happened to have a journalism degree or media studies degree and so it was pretty easy to go into get an internship in Toronto um, at an agency very quickly Uh, you know they wanted to do uh, social media for brands so I kind of fell into that um, the career stuff real quick but like zero to a hundred where I had no phone in Nepal like kind of trekking, exploring, you know, the whole country to like Twitter, social media, iPhone, always on my phone, technology, (laughs) it just became real intense. And then, yeah, so then I did that. Uh, I was working in just different types of agencies, working with different brands, working like 50, 60 hours a week in these startups, the tech industry. Yeah. So then it kind of, I did that for about three or four years, maybe five years (laughs) in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I, by the end of it, I was so burnt out. I was traveling a lot for work. I was like having these meltdowns. Like it wasn't really good for my, um, myself, my, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I said, I think this was in 2015. I said, no, it's over. Like I'm moving to an island. I need to leave an island. Like I need, I need to just be away and, and move to an island forever. And then my friend offered me a job in New York City, Manhattan, and mm. I and I accepted it. And my friends were like, "Oh, that type of island." I was like, "That's not <laughs> the type of island I was talking." Yeah, about. that's like complete opposite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So then I thought, okay, I had one more youth left back in me. Um, and I'm going to, so I guess I, t- I took the job in New York again. It was that whole kind of grind. Mm-hmm. And then after that, after two and a half years of just really being like, for real, this city life is over. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, I moved back to Toronto and then I, and then I found Chargao when I was looking up, um, places to surf in the Philippines, because I knew I wanted to move to the Philippines connect, reconnect with my roots, but at the same time surf, because I fell in love with surfing in, on a trip uh, to Costa Rica. And then since that trip in Costa Rica, I think that was also like about 2014, every single trip I went to after that was a surf trip. Like if I was going to a wedding in London, in the UK, I would be like, where is the nearest surf break? Like, <laughs> yeah. so I would have you know, all my bridesmaid clothes in one side of the luggage <laughs> thing. And then all of my surf, like, you know, all of my wetsuits and stuff in the other like sand all over my wedding dress, like my bridesmaid dress and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so I moved, I, I just packed my bags. There was a yoga teacher training, like miraculously that fell right in that perfect um, uh, uh, timing for me. 
And then, uh, so yeah, I, I, I left November or at the end of October, 2018 with a tiny little suitcase knowing fully like Shargao is going to be my home. And then I never left. So two and a half years later, um, yeah, it's going to be my third year here oh in Shargao. That's yeah. So cool. How long were you thinking you were going to be living there for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I've, it's just been, I've been a nomad all my life. I think it was mm -hmm. a thing that my mom had ingrained in her. She's always showing me this mole at the bottom of her foot. And she's like, that means that you're a traveler. You're just, oh she's gosh. like, she's like, I passed it down to you. And I was like, oh, That's so, so funny. yeah. So I think this is actually the longest time aside from, I guess, Toronto, mm -hmm. the longest I've ever lived in one place is in Chargao. And, and it's, it's a beautiful feeling because I don't feel restless. Usually mm -hmm. even when I moved to New York, I was, I, as soon as I moved to New York, I was like, okay, what's next? Where am I going next? Yeah. You know, it was already, I was thinking ahead and it's the first time I feel so much more content, like so content, so at peace, you know, mm -hmm. that's the so, goal. Yeah. It's so weird to hear you because I feel like, like people who will listen to this, like my family and my friends will be like, oh my God, Caitlin, like this sounds like you in like a couple of years. <laughs> <gasps> like wow. how old are you? I'm 28. <laughs> 28. But, wow. Yeah. So, um. Like I went to Western as well and I studied journalism. I didn't work for the oh Gazette, my God. but I did work for um, must, like the Mustangs, like writing up stories after each of the games. Um, oh, cool. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to like do journalism. And I thought that I would work like in magazines, um, but I've ended up like in communications. And then I've always like been obsessed with traveling and have always, been, like, <gasps> I just want to like be on the road. And then um, like everything you said about surfing, like I feel like all of my vacations have been like, like all about surfing. And I'm like, I need to be in a place where I'm, like surfing all the time. So yeah, so I'm actually looking to move to Toronto. <laughs> like, like I was actually just looking at places yesterday, but in my head, I've been oh thinking, my God. I'm excited to live in Toronto, but like, I know for sure after this, like I want to move to an island and just like surf and work remotely. So it's like, you're doing like all these things. And it's just so weird. Oh girl. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally possible. You know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's, you can have you, because the thing is with me, I have two clients still in Toronto. So I work in, you know, digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And I love them. Like, I love, I love, I think like the only way I can pass up a surf session is if I love my clients. Like if, if it was someone I'm not passionate about helping. So they're two small businesses that I'm working with. And it's like, my passion is to help them grow. My passion is to like, I'm actually excited about their business. So I would skip a surf session otherwise you know otherwise I'd be like nope you know surf first yeah. um so it's possible to still kind of have that you know have like a really good career um and and have this kind of lifestyle that because the grind it doesn't make sense to me like the working like you can work and be productive and get everything done you know um 
without having to work those 40, 50 hours a week. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and still try to create a thriving business. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's different for many, you know, entrepreneurs, probably it's such a different story or, or like someone who just started a business and things like that. Or, you know, I mean, I know I'm, I'm just very, very, very grateful that I have this opportunity and that I have the privilege to do this too, because I, I recognize that as well. Um, that not everyone can do it and they don't have the, um, the either the resources or they have no kids or mm-hmm. so, but if you do have the freedom, I definitely think you can totally make it possible. And I, I found myself just integrating very easily to this lifestyle. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so <laughs> cool to see you doing this because I feel like in my head, I'm thinking like all these dreams I have are just like so lofty, like, like no one actually does this. Like I won't actually be able to like move to an island and like surf and work, but it's so cool to see like, oh no, it's actually possible and you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, no way. I mean, you can create your own or design your own lifestyle really is what I find. And, you know, I have a lot of people bless their hearts being like, you're so brave to do this, but it was more like, it was really a necessity for my mental health, my physical health, you know, I was suffering from back issues. Like as I grow older, I'm not in my twenties anymore, you know, so I can't do these crazy sports I used to do. And I had a little bit of a rock climbing injury, um, and had a herniated disc. So when I was sitting long hours in the office, it was excruciating. I had to do physio. My mental health was like, not it, it, it was like the worst it's been, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I wasn't right. So it wasn't bravery that brought me here. It was a necessity because I needed to change my life for the better, you know, and create something that I loved and designed a life that I wanted to lead, you know, um, and, and share that with, with people and share that energy and, um, you know, that, you know that love to to people as well I don't know (laughs) oh it sounds so great so clearly you're happier in your current life than back when you were grinding in New York and in Toronto yeah definitely I'm really you know I'm really grateful for that experience in the city because it's it's also kind of still hardwired my brain to also focus on my work you know um and and the balance the balance is tricky because you have the surf and you have, you know, I have a really amazing group of friends. The community here is very strong. So it's always tempting to be like beach day, <laughs> you know, yeah. island hopping. It's like, no, but it's, you know, I, I also have this community of, of, of girls that I, they're also um, digital. They're also in digital um, online work. So it's good to kind of have that accountability and, um, you know, work, co-working, um, friends. So, um, so yeah, the balance is also very, it's, it's, it's tricky, but you have to, you just kind of have to um, create that routine for yourself so that you're also accomplishing a lot of the work that you set out to do and you're productive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How do you set up like your day to day and your hours? Because if your clients are in uh, North America and like you're on an opposite clock, how does that all work? Yes. So it's 
it's Eastern Standard Time with where I work. So it's 12 hours difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I base my work around the tides, <laughs> which is funny to say out loud. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. So, yeah. So I look at the surf every day or, um, and kind of check out the tides that are right for the different types of breaks. And then I kind of work my schedule around that. Um, and usually the mornings I work because it, when it's morning here, it's evening where my, my clients are. And then, uh, yeah, so nighttime for them is morning. So I kind of work in the day or depending on if I'm doing a sunrise surf and then I work after. And then I kind of chill out in the middle of the day or kind of do work that doesn't involve me interacting back and forth with the clients. Um, And then I work again at night. So it's kind of like, it's not like a whole like nine to five. It's more like um, I catch up with emails or if I have calls in the morning or late in the eve and then break up in the middle of the day, like getting to run errands or do whatever, or, you know, have maybe an afternoon surf session. I definitely nap. Napping yeah. is key. <laughs> like my girlfriends know this too. They're like, oh, don't bother. Does she nap? She naps, always naps at 2 PM. Like, you know, it's like a scheduled nap so that I can work again at nighttime. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the routine definitely helps. Um, but sometimes the tides are weird depending on the, um, the months, like the, the seasons of surf. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, that, actually, that actually gives me a better framework of like, okay, this is when I'm going to surf. And then I'll work my schedule around the, the tides that are best for surfing. So Oh my God, that is so cool. What a dream. (laughs) (laughs) How is the surfing there? It is amazing. Um, I can't even tell you because I've surfed in many different breaks. So I've I've surfed in Costa Rica twice. Like I've been there twice, um, Malpais, which is secretly... It's not a secret anymore because I just said it, but it's just (laughs) the most beautiful spot. Um, And then I went to Nicaragua, Portugal, um, New York. I did winter surf in New York, (laughs) which was rough. It was like a five mil wetsuit, but whatever, still fun. Um, Bali, Thailand. Uh, no, no, not Bali, Lombok in Indonesia, but there is no other, there's nothing like Shargao. And I, I think there's a number of reasons why. First of all, it's like world-class surf in, in cloud nine. So this is where a lot of the international um, competitions happen in cloud nine. Um, so that's like the main break. That's where all of the pro surfers go, then there's different types of break breaks that I also love within that kind of cloud nine area. But I think the first time I ever went surfing in uh, Shargao, it was one of the most beautiful feelings to see Filipinos, like mm-hmm. Filipinos surfing with Filipinos, because, you know, I kind of, when I go to these kind of tourist spots, it's either, you know, people local to that country or tourists like you know white people like just kind of you know or their mentality is very much like when I was in Mexico too it was like 
very local, like very, uh, there's a lot of localism and localism is like, you can, people can get very violent and very like, don't surf here. This is only local spot. Like kind of, you know, I've had that happen too, where it's like, I find a cool break and they're like, don't, why are you surfing here? It's only for locals. It's like, oh, you know, that's like the nature of it's, it's kind of the underbelly of surfing, I guess. But here it was like, just beautiful like the energy and like these you know people who look like you riding these waves and and they have this saying too like um like uh I was asking one of these one of the local ladies like is it weird that like you know it's it's growing like Shargo is is getting really busy like it's changed so much like with the tourism I'm like how do you feel about the all of these tourists coming in and she's just like, I just want to share happiness. She's like, we share waves Aww. to share happiness. And I, it just like gave me chills. I was like, wow, like you don't get that anywhere else where you have these pro surfer guys telling you to catch waves, like go, 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 like encouraging you, you know, you get people trying to cut you off or take off on the waves that you, they can clearly see you trying to catch. But here, if, especially if you develop a rapport with them and especially if you show that you're non-threatening and kind of like and kind they'll want you to catch waves like they'll encourage you like no 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 this one you catch it catch it and that's a beautiful feeling because everyone is sharing waves everyone's sharing in the joy and you can sense that and plus the waves are just beautiful like on on certain seasons it's clean you know and and you can choose which one feels more comfortable with you like one that's more mellow and bigger or one that's fast and like kind of spicier you know so I think the variation like the variety of the the breaks also really helps and and it's like what what day do I feel do I feel chill or do I feel like I want to be challenged today you know it's it's cool to have that so the surfing is just beautiful it's really amazing all around yeah oh my gosh that's so great to hear like everything that you just said oh and it makes me so like proud of other Filipinos always being so kind (laughs) totally totally yeah like they're fierce it's just wild to me that like they're amazing they're amazing and like the world surfing league don't they don't recognize how amazing like just like professional and amazing Filipino surfers are like you only just see Australian surfers or you know Hawaii like ones in Hawaii and all this stuff but like man this is like a gem and people need to recognize like they're incredible and it's world-class here you know um but it's just beautiful to see and surf with uh, like Filipinos mm-hmm. yeah that's different so feeling cool. yeah yeah that sounds like such a dream like I went to Tofino have you ever been to Tofino in British Columbia? <gasps> no, that's my next. I've been wanting to go so badly. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so fun. How was that? Yeah. Um, it was great. Like, I'm still very much a beginner surfer, but I was there for like a month and um, definitely like improved. And it was just, yes. I don't know, it was just like a really good atmosphere. And I, I loved it a lot. But yeah, like most of the people that I was surrounded by were white and a lot of guys. That's it. But that's which is, it. Which is cool. Like they were fine, but like I just feel like that would just be such a cool experience to be around like other women and other Filipinos. Like I can't even oh, imagine. Oh my god. I 
I just got, I, I got, I get chills every time I see them and they're just beautiful goddesses, like graceful walking on water. It's an, it's a sight to see definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very beautiful feeling. And, um, I brought my sister here once and, you know, cause it's very difficult to describe to uh, and the feeling of it. Um, if you haven't surfed before, and I'm sure, you know, the feeling cause you have surfed before. Um, but when I brought my sister here and, you know, I was kind of showing her my world and I took her to my favorite break. So you go out on a boat and you have to like jump off of, of the break. And she was like nervous about it and everything. But my surf coach, he's June June. He's like incredible. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm, I love him. He, so he took my sister out and then she caught one of like the best waves of her life. Like she's never caught a wave like that before, even when we were in Costa Rica or, and she came back and the sunset and she just started crying. Like she just Aww. got so emotional. And she was, she, she looked at me, she was just like, I get it now. She's like, I get it. And I was like, oh, it was beautiful to share that with my sister, who was my best friend, that she, she got it. Like she understood without me having to describe the feeling. She was just like, okay, I totally understand everything that you're doing and why you live for this, you know? So, That's so amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Like as soon as the pandemic ends, I need to go there. <laughs> Can I ask you um, how you got into surfing and what you love about surfing? Yeah. <laughs> I just love talking about it. <laughs> yeah. um, I just always thought it was the coolest thing. Like, I think it started after watching Blue Crush. <laughs> I was like nine <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I need to learn to surf. Um, and then when I was in the Dominican, like a couple of years ago, that was the first time I went surfing. And then I was just like, oh my God, this is like, like I always dreamt of surfing, but like the feeling of it was like exactly what I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah, I have just been like planning vacations around like trying to surf. Um, I did like a surf camp in Bali a couple of years ago and then I went to Tofino. Um, yeah, still not very good, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's so fun. You know what? It's it's funny when people say people say that they're not good, but it's just they have to know their wave type. You know, they have to just mm-hmm. know the type of wave that they love because, you know, it's I'm so bad at certain breaks here. It, I look like such a kook. Like it's like <laughs> they're like, have you never surfed before? It's like, but that's not the type of wave that I love, you know. Mm-hmm. And so and it's also like, you know all about reading the waves. So yeah. when you know, when you're in my home break, Quicksilver, I love so much. Um, and it, it's because I know it already that it's, even though it's intimidating or it's barreling that day, I know it. It's like, it's like a friend. It's like a, I always compare it to like a friend or a boyfriend, like a new boyfriend, <laughs> you know, it's like, do you know each other well enough? Like, do you <laughs> understand each other's character? Like, there's this one break that I love that it's like there's surprise sets that come. So it's like, but a lot of people hate that break because it's like all of a sudden there's a big wave that shows up out of nowhere, but I kind of like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's when people say they're not good, they just have to get used to, they just have to do it as often mm-hmm. enough and, and read the waves properly. So I'm yeah. sure if you spend enough time, you would be amazing. I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) 
think how much it is just like sitting and looking at the water and like trying to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what it is that and muscle memory, like Mm -hmm. I, once you get the pop-ups done, you, once you do a hundred pop-ups, it's like, you don't, it's like second nature to just instantly try to catch a wave when you see one coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, but hopefully someday I'll, I mean, I'll get, I'll get I mean, to be like that. You know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gotten a lot better since you first got to Chargill? Yes, definitely. And it, it comes with, pra- again, yeah, it comes with practice every day. And because I, um, I mean, island life here, I got into a, a motorbike accident a month ago. It wasn't too crazy. It was spooky. It was really, I was shook definitely, but I couldn't stir for a month mm-hmm. and to just to heal. Um, but like four weeks of not surfing, it's like, you got to go back in to it again it's really rough to go back to it after not surfing because your muscles kind of lose a little bit of that you know momentum and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff but I was riding my longboard I was on an eight and now I'm on my six so I've just kind of I'm I'm on a short board and it's such a different feeling Mm -hmm. two very different feelings so again it's like it's, it's like what how do you feel today do I feel chill do I go on my longboard or do I feel like, you know, really like ripping it on my short board? Oh my God, that's so, so cool. Yeah. So once you, once you start improving, you get to choose the type of boards that you want. And like, you got kind of get a feel for, you know, the type of, yeah, like just how you want to, how do you want to surf today? Mm-hmm. What do you typically yeah. go for? Um, yeah, it depends. Um, I'm so much more comfortable on my long board. Well, it's like not a long board. It's like a, it's called a minimal. It's like a fun board. So it's an eight and a long board is more like a, a nine. Right. Mm-hmm. So an eight is actually perfect for bigger. It's, it's strange. It's perfect for bigger mellow waves. Like I find that I can catch more on this one break, uh, with my long board, but they're like, overhead like double overhead waves sometimes so it can get real yeah it's but because you're so much more stable on an eight um it's definitely easier to catch whereas the smaller faster waves are so much more fun on the short board so it really just depends on how you're feeling and if I'm lazy it's like I just kind of want to chill I'm going to go on my you know on my eight and I have names for them too oh yeah (laughs) What are their names? I have no, I have a surfboard too, and I have a name for mine. What's, what are your names? My so my longboard eight. Um, she's pink. Like the bottom half of her is pink, and her name is Annie Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, Hi, Annie Clark. Annie Clark is this guitarist from the band Saint Vincent, which is one of my favorite bands, and she just rips. Like she's an angel that like rips on the guitar on the electric guitar so I named her Annie (laughs) Clark because I wanted to rip but be graceful um and then my short board her name is Sierra because I can't get the song ride out of my head when I ride on when (laughs) okay Hmm, I like that that's cool Um, how about you (laughs) her name is Kalea do you know who Kalea Moniz is she's like this Hawaiian surfer but she's like one of my oh girl crushes so I named oh my, my goodness, of course. <laughs> I didn't know her name was Kalea. I thought it was Kelia, actually. Oops, I thought it yeah. was too, but then I started following her on Instagram and 
Yeah, yeah, I love her. Her new baby. Yeah. It's it's oh creepy God. how we know her their lives. Yeah, we're like yeah. her baby. <laughs> yeah, her baby's very cute. Yeah, but yeah, I'm bored after her. <laughs> um, was it hard to figure out? like moving and figuring out like visas and all like the logistical things of, of uh, moving to Shirko? No, especially because I was, I'm, I'm Filipino. So I was born in Manila and then I moved oh, to the U S okay. when I was two. So I had this thing called a Balak Bayan visa, which is like returning Filipinos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I just recently, I, I got my, so that lasts one year. And then if you leave the country, you can come back and get, and it resets, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the tourists here have to go every three months on a boat to Surigao, the nearest city, to get renewing, renew their tourist visa. So I didn't have to do that. Um, but then recently I got my Filipino passport. So oh, I'm cool. um, dual citizen now, but my friends, they kind of chirp me. Because they're like, if, if you don't know the Filipino, the national anthem, then we're taking away your passport. I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're going to have to learn. I have to learn it. Yeah. Um, so it's Tagalog? not. No, I wish. So I understand it. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Um, and my friends, my girlfriends, majority of them, they speak Tagalog, but um I've been really trying to uh, take lessons and things like that and just kind of keep up with it. The difficulty is their local language here is Visaya or Shargaonin. Mm. So the very local language is Shargaonin, which is only spoken among people from Shargao, like born and raised. But then they can speak Visaya like to, there's a lot of the tourists that come from Cebu or different parts that speak Visaya. And so it's difficult for me to speak the Tagalog because I'm also shy about it. Like there's, I mean, we get a lot of Manila tourists and they um, unfortunately don't have a really good reputation here um, oh. just because, you know, they can, they kind of, I, I hate to say this, but the, just some of them uh, have a reputation for being a bit like snobby or very mm. city-like. And so uh, my surf coach was like, I was like, uh, Jun Jun, can you speak Tagalog with me? And he's just like, no, Des, just speak English because people are going to think that you're from Manila. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, no, is that bad? <laughs> oh. But uh, I don't know. I think they think that they're very upper class, kind of uppity, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the yeah, the, that's the reputation that they have, unfortunately. But um, so then I kind of get shy about speaking Tagalog because I don't want them to think that I'm too like upper, like, you know, I want to be, I want to be a part of the community. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost better for me to speak English. And, but I really, really, really want to learn Tagalog so badly. Like, at least I know a little bit of it and I get to joke with my friends, but that's something that I, that's a project that's been in the works for me for a while, but it's very difficult to find like sources and stuff online and mm-hmm. to find the motivation to do it. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're yeah. being encouraged to speak English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. But then in my mind, I should just, I work with a lot of the local kids. Um, I volunteer weekly with the, this organization and, 
I love these kids so much, but it's, it, it, there is a language barrier too sometimes. So now I'm thinking, man, I should just, I should just start to speak the local language or start to learn Visaya instead, you know? Cause like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be living here for a while, I might as well learn the local language. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many dialects in the Philippines. Um, yeah. Cause I've thought, yes. like, Oh, I should learn Tagalog, but most of my family, like they live in Pampanga, so they speak Kampampangan. So it's like, uh, how mm-hmm. useful. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like every, yes, yeah. every city I've been to, they're like, you speak Ilocan or like this. And I'm like, it's, it's like they taught, like it's the city. <laughs> the, yeah, it's very local. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Dialect, yeah. But they're like accepting of the fact that you're from Canada? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's a very, it's the first time in my life I've lived in a very small town. You know, I've always been such a city girl through and through. And um, even where I grew up in school, it was Jersey City, which is still like a little bit of a mini city, right? Um, So two and a half, three years of living here now, it's like everyone kind of knows you and everyone recognizes you. Um, I... I wanted to, I didn't want to be the type of person who just came and took, you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. just be, and, and kind of benefit without giving back. Like I needed to, I really wanted to make sure that I was being a part of a community and strengthening it in some way or in, you know, inspiring people in some way, instead of just being this tourist that plops in, surfs, and then just kind of is on her own, on herself. So it's, so yeah, there's a lot of, it's, it's good to have that community of people who know you or if, you know, who, if they need something, it's just very beautiful to have that, like, you know, my motorbike, again, motorbike issues, um, I broke down like in the middle of the road and you have these locals coming to help you pushing the thing. And my friends, like, I'll pick you up right away. You know, it's like, it's a very, I feel, I've never had this feeling before where I feel so safe and I feel so every which way, if anything were to go wrong or if anything, it's like people will, will be there to help you. And, um, and yeah, they are accepting their, um, as long as you, you kind of, you, they know that you're making an effort to be a part of the community and be a part of, you know, something to help create, to grow, um, the local businesses and the organizations here and help, help them thrive, help them to survive. And then definitely they can, they can sense that. And they know that, I mean, everyone here is just so sweet. And like, you see the locals, you can see them smiling behind their masks and it's just so beautiful. Like they're, it's so, yeah, I love it. Mm -hmm. How is everything over there with COVID right now? It's, uh, it's on and off. I mean, so a year ago, uh, they banned surfing, which is crazy. Like, I wanna, I'm going to be telling my children this. Like, they banned surfing. And I remember I, I was one of the last people to sneak in the surf <laughs> when they banned it, which was so bad. I know I shouldn't be saying this. But then you have these people like in speakerphones being like, get off of the break. Like, get off of the surf. And I felt like just like this rebel, like, oh my God, like the Pope is going to arrest me for surfing. Like, you know, um, like I felt, it's, I felt like such a rebel. No, but they were nice about it. They're like, ma'am, just please don't do that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry. I pretended I didn't know that. So that was a year ago. And then now um, they, they 
it was just the quietest, actually very, very serene place. And I felt like the island had time to breathe because the, they closed it off to the world and they closed it off to even local tourists. So for a few months, and I was talking to some of the locals here, they were like, this is how it was like, you know, eight, nine years ago when, and they were just able to enjoy like, yes, it was so unfortunate that they had to close down businesses and things like that. But a lot of the locals went back to what they used to do, which was to just fish and, you know, just farm and like, and get back to the roots and like give the island a chance to breathe because it was getting really intense with the tourists at one point, like cars everywhere, like just construction. Cause there were all of these, you know, um, resorts now building everywhere. And so it was, it was very quiet. It was very beautiful for a while. Um, for the locals, I think, and they were able to enjoy and surf. And I, I, my surf coach is smiling ear to ear because he got to surf his own waves without, you know, working and taking someone out and stuff to surf. Um, and then, so now um, they've opened it up to local tourists in the Philippines, but they have to do all of these tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at the moment, they canceled all the flights from Manila because of um because of the surge in cases so now it's back to like no tourists coming in from manila and it's kind of like there's an executive order that was just put out that we have to minimize the the bigger the events and the all of that stuff but it's kind of been pretty normal like here because it's so um it's such a small community and it's kind of like on all kind of a lockdown not really strict lockdown but because we're all just like in one community it wasn't very and they were pretty lenient about like no one had covid in a while yeah um yeah mm-hmm. and surfing is like a good physical distancing sport <laughs> absolutely yeah definitely and i think that's why it didn't make sense that they banned it but i, yeah. I know that it was yeah but i know it's because probably people would gather. I mean, it's the gathering part that they didn't want. Like if people were to, so people would like sneak in a surf session and just be like alone, you know, just be like, oh, like not get caught by the popo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like rebel surfers. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. It's, it's, it's good for everyone's health as well. And the sun mm-hmm. and the, you know, it's, there's less cases here or there's no cases. Um because of yeah the vitamin d and the sunshine and the you know physical activity everyone's pretty healthy yeah yeah oh that's so awesome so you Mm -hmm. had said before so you were born in the philippines right and then you moved to the states and then moved back to the philippines yes yeah in canada for for some time during that yeah my family moved to the to to Toronto when I was 13 or um, Mississauga actually when I was 13 Mm. and then I moved back to New York when um, uh, to to get that one job (laughs) for two and a half years my my island life in quotation marks (laughs) (laughs) in Manhattan Mm. Um, and then I moved back to the Philippines Yeah, yeah true I wonder like what that was like because I my parents like always talk about how like 
when they moved to Canada, like it was so hard to be an immigrant, but like they did it mm. for a better life. And then so Absolutely. when I've been talking about like moving to the Philippines, they're like, well, what the heck? Like we tried so hard to move to Canada just for you to want to go back to the Philippines. So I wonder yes, like, girl. how you dealt with all that. Yeah. Oh my God. We are very, very similar. Wow. <laughs> this is so cool. Come to Shargal. Let's hang out. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I have a million percent. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's so funny because my dad said, well, it was only, it was a few years ago. He told me, he, he said that when I brought up the idea um, and that I was like, I want to move. I had this idea for a while just to move to the Philippines, not the surfing part yet. Mm -hmm. um, where I kind of felt that I didn't know anything about my culture. Like I grew up with white people, essentially. And unfortunately, I felt like I was raised like a white girl, basically. Like mm -hmm. my schools had all white people. Um, my college, oh my God, Western, come on. Like, mm -hmm. it's like country club. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yep. come on. I was the only kind of Asian in my newsroom, like the editor at, at the Gazette. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what is Filipino? Like the only thing I know, and especially because also I'm a vegetarian. So my dad was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> how did I raise a Filipino? Like, you know, like <laughs> who's a vegetarian? Um, <laughs> so my only real Filipino-ness in my mind was like, I love karaoke. I, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like napping and karaoke and surfing are like my three passions. Like, um, so there's that, but then also um, I just love the, the family vibe, like the Filipino uh, parties and the, mm -hmm. I love the energy of it. So of course, like my titas and my titas and the Lola, Lolas and Lolas um, made me feel like I wanted that. And like, I wanted to just mm -hmm. speak Tagalog or be around more of people who look and feel and think like me, or mm -hmm. like at least just be you know, just be, just kind of reconnect to who I am. And so, um, yeah, so it was, uh, he eventually, I mean, it didn't matter, um, you know, like what people said. I mean, mm -hmm. I, my mom, I'm, you know, I'm much, my mom is just this person who is this free spirit. Just, I, she's like my best friend. She's like, you do you, you live like, you live the lifestyle that you want to lead. She was so encouraging. She's like, I'll follow you. I'll come with you. Like, Aww. if you want, like, you know, like, so, and of course now I'm in my thirties. It's like, you get to just do what you, you know, it's, you, you have to do what you feel is in your heart and in your intuition to follow and to make this. I think it was kind of my journey to wholeness, to, reconnect with my own roots and to understand where I came from, to understand the cultural history, the, the traumas, the, you know, the everything about it. It's so new to me and it's so fresh. I work with, um, and you interviewed her, Caroline Mango yes. Singh from mm -hmm. Vinta, Vinta Gallery. Um, and they, I just love working with them because not only are there is, is it beautiful, the clothes that they make, but there's so much meaning behind it. There's so much of a story behind their pieces. And in working with them, it also let, like helps me to learn. So the content that I create for them 
I'm like, oh my God, it's like a research paper for myself, you know, to, to learn and understand my history and the colonialism and the intern, you know, all of this stuff is, is an ongoing journey to know more about myself and more about who I am and my most authentic self. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to do you, you really just have to do what is in your heart to, and I just feel now more at home in my own body and in myself, um, being with my friends who are all Filipina They're It's like, Oh my God, like they're my family. Like these are the people they just know, you know, whereas I don't have to explain myself to my, like how I did with my white friends Mm -hmm. or like, you know, they would have, they don't, you know, like, you know, the microaggressions and the things that, you know, some of them say, it's like, they don't know that it's offensive, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. And so it's just nice to just be around Filipinos and be around people and who are trying to help me on my journey as well. And like, you know, joke, like poke fun at me for not, for (laughs) my Tagalog is so bad that they just (laughs) laugh so much, but they, they try to correct me, but they're like, oh my God, Des, (laughs) like, stop it. My ears. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's nice. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That all just sounds so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All your friends there, like, are, they're all locals or are they coming from like other places or they're all like, Shargao born and raised my core group of girlfriends my chosen family tribe of women friends they are from different parts of the Philippines so um <clears throat> I do have some local um like born and raised Shargaonian friends but my core group of girls come from like um, Manila General Santos um, like different parts of of the Philippines um some of them yeah uh, Cebu um And yeah, but they're, yeah, it's just cool that they all have these experiences and these were very, very connected. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's cool. Oh, that sounds so cool. Um, I can't remember if I asked you this, but do you think that you'll stay there forever? (laughs) How long do you think you'll be there? Yeah, I mean, I... Again, like I, I don't, I feel so content here and it's the first time I feel fully at peace and fully at home. Um, It definitely is my second home after Toronto, but, um, and I say this too, because I was talking to my sister about what is home, right? And home is just where the people are. Like if my entire family from Toronto moved somewhere completely different, like California or then that would be my home. Do you know what I mean? It's like. And, and so here it's, it's my home because of the community and the people and my friends. Mm-hmm. And as long as they stay here and as long as I feel that connection to the people here, then this will be my home for a while. And so far that's, I just, I feel so grounded and mm-hmm. I feel so much more my truest self here. So mm-hmm. I feel like I've become a better person because of Shargao and living in Shargao. So it's like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I don't think, I think I'll be here for a while and I'm hoping to one day, you know, find a piece of land or, you know, just kind of um, make this my home base. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because I, yeah, there's, there's something about it that I feel so strongly attached to. Again, with that boyfriend, um, uh, 
analogy. It's like when you're away, I'm away from Shargao. I just like think of it. When I'm at home, I'm like, I miss you. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, right so now. funny. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool to like be in a place in life where it's like where you're at is like that's what you're thinking about. Because I feel like, especially like in the West, we're always thinking like what you were saying before, like okay, what's going to come after this and what's going to come after this. So it's cool that yeah. like, you're really like where you are. I mean, but it took me a while too, right? I mean, I've been this like nomad, like just loving traveling and thinking about the next, the what's next. And um, now that I'm kind of in my third, my, I'm like, do I say my age? Yeah, I'm turning <laughs> 35 this year. <laughs> it's kind of like, I love, I, this is where I've fallen in love with this place. And mm-hmm. so there's no, I don't have any intention of leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, what would you say has been the hardest part about this adventure? The hardest part of this adventure, the Wi-Fi. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> island Wi-Fi. No, it's, yeah, the island Wi-Fi is a tricky thing. But no, um, I think just the hardest part, I mean, COVID, just being away from my family. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very, that's huge. I have this two-year-old niece and I, uh, there's times where I'm on my motorbike and I start thinking of her and I just start crying and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to crash. Like, you know, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to oh. ram into something because I love her. She's turning three this year mm-hmm. and I, I miss my family a lot, but it, it comes with it. It comes with, I mean, I have always been this person who is very like happiness, hedonistic, like what's. Like, what will be the one thing that will make me always happy, you know? But I've come to terms with accepting the pure happiness and the pure sadness that comes from living here. And the pure sadness stems from being so far away from my family. I'm getting choking, I'm getting choked up <laughs> thinking of that right now. Um, because I'm very close to them and I'm so, so connected to them. So I, it's, it's, I always just try to find a way to always just... Um, talk to them on FaceTime or like schedule mm-hmm. calls with them, like talk to my niece who's now, she's just like, Desta surfing. She's like pop, like practicing mm-hmm. her pop-ups. She's like my dream surfing buddy. I'm like, I'm going to train this girl. She's mm-hmm. going to surf with me. Oh my you God. Know? That's so cute. <laughs> so yeah. So it's, that's definitely the hardest thing is being so far away from the people I love so much. But mm-hmm. I mean, one day I'm manifesting all of them just coming here. I even have the villa in mind. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm like manifest them coming <laughs> here one day, all of them. Um, so it'll happen. And um, that's definitely been a challenge to, to, to always just stay in touch with them as much as possible and mm-hmm. be there for them at the, during the hard times, you know, and feeling the same pain as they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, what would you say has been the best part of, of all of this? Um, love, I think. I, uh, I was telling you this before. I started this, my own little podcast called Shargao Love Stories. And the, this, this whole journey has been returning back to love, I think. Essentially, and when I reflect back on it, 
everything is about love, like the how I love myself more. And like being in, you know, during the lockdown last year, when we weren't allowed to see our friends, and we kind of had to distance ourselves from everyone, I had literally like, you know, five, six weeks of solitude to myself, like not seeing any, anyone not surfing. And it's just like, finding that love for myself again, seeing the, the love from other people, knowing that love isn't just romantic love, that there's, it's multifaceted and there's so many nuances to the different types of love. And I experienced that when I'm surfing, you know, I experienced that like the love of nature and oneness and like the universe, very much a spiritual love when you're surfing and a gratitude for the, for the world <laughs> and nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there is so much love and compassion and the community love. And I'm recognizing here, the best part is that I've grown so much in love because of the different types that I'm experiencing. And I've never felt that type of community love before. I've never felt that romantic love before, you know, there's, you know, the, the gentleman, (laughs) you know, Um, um, and that's definitely the best feeling because I've just, it's, it's made me a stronger person for sure. Um, Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's so great. I feel like listening to you, I feel like I'm listening to Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but that's like the one podcast well, that like I'm obsessed with right you. now. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm listening to Oprah, <laughs> which so is a great, a great thing. <laughs> oh, you're too sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And I know that you have a meeting, um, but yeah, so I just have okay. a couple more questions. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have a couple quick ones and then the two that I ask everybody, um, so for the quick ones, the first one is, um, what is your favorite thing to do in Shargao? My favorite thing to do in Shargao is drink coconut water after the surfing, this one particular break. And it is the greatest feeling. The coconut water is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Um, what's your favorite thing to eat in Shargao? My favorite thing to eat. Wow. 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 The local fish, local fish. I, I just watched this documentary called Seaspiracy. Do not eat those canned fish. The dolphin safe stuff is not a real thing. Um, anyway. Yeah. So it's just eating the local. I always, I just ask if it's local fish and you're supporting the, the kind of local economy here too while doing it. And it tastes awesome. So Mm-hmm. the fish mm. hmm. <laughs> those okay. boodle fights you know those boodle oh, fights yes so yes fun. come on yeah. I am dinners yeah <laughs> oh that's the best <laughs> um what's your favorite thing to do in Chargao other than surf <laughs> <laughs> um hang out with my girlfriends they're just so fun they're funny as f and they're amazing they help me grow and they help me think about things outside myself and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be a dog mom soon I'm adopting two puppies oh my gosh yeah so they are like my support system because they're like okay this these are the things you need to get 
we're going to be there as soon as they come. Like, they're just so sweet. Like they're just a good support system. So just hanging out with them and just chilling with them is one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, other than your friends and family in Canada, what do you miss the most about Canada? Um, again, the people, everyone's so sweet. Mm-hmm. I love like when people are here and they're like, Oh, are you from America? I was like, no, Canada. I'm from Canada. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Because everyone knows that Canadians are super sweet and that mm-hmm. that's their reputation that they have. And it's very true. So I do miss, I, I just miss the energy of the Toronto energy very much. Yeah. 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 True. Um, and then my last two questions. So they are about learning because the podcast is called learn with wells. Um, so what is something that you've been learning lately? Um, yeah, again, it's like going back to the, the self, just learning more about myself and learning more about love and myself. And that's, that's what it is. That's what it's been about. Um, the understanding my own culture, learning every day about that through my work with Vinta and through my work with just being around the kids, even them teaching me stuff about myself and like me, you know, I'm supposed to be the teacher, me like being the one teaching them English or teaching them all of this, like the classes. And they're just teaching me so much about life, like just their energy and their purity and their kindness. It's so innate to these local kids. It like just forms my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like the the one thing I learned is just um, trusting your intuition, um, allowing yourself to break the barriers when it comes to love. Because I've I've always had this kind of city guard up, you know. This I had this kind of Brooklyn, you know, tough girl exterior. Um, my one thing that I learned is like that it doesn't do anything for you. If you, if you, Brene Brown, who's one of my favorite women, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I know if you Brene listen Brown. to her podcast yes. as well. Brene is a, for the win, you know, <laughs> yeah. but she has this, <laughs> she has this beautiful quote, um, strong backs, soft fronts, wild hearts. And mm-hmm. I, that's like my mantra that you of course still have that strong back, that foundation, but keep it soft and keep it open, um, keep yourself open to new experiences and people and learning, like always be a student to everything. You know, even me surfing, I'm always learning a new technique or a new thing or a new break that will change the way I surf, you know? So that openness and like the wild hearts, it's like, just know your inner wild and channel that feminine power women are so underrated and it's channeling that wildness and that energy and that beauty it's all within us now I'm feeling like I'm sounding like Oprah no yes I feel empowered and strong (laughs) it's great yeah that's what I've learned (laughs) yes I love that um and then what's the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far biggest lesson in life that I've learned so far um let's see uh life that you can create it yourself like you can design it 
the way you want to in every ass, like in every um, aspect of it. Like I used to think relationships are this thing where it's like, okay, what are the rules of a relationship? Like, do I have to call them? Like what, (laughs) you know, like I, I think it's like, you can create anything and everything that you want. Like with relationships, it's like, what type do you want? What type of person do you want to, what type of life do you want to lead with that person? You know, it's like creating the lifestyle without rules, creating and designing the life that you want to lead that will make you feel full, but also um, give back or like help others or inspire others to um, have that same or create that same freedom for their for themselves you know mm-hmm. that's definitely one of it a big thing that I've mm-hmm. learned in my life yeah no rules no rules just do you for mm-hmm. sure yeah that's so great to hear because I feel like I've been very much like trying to follow the rules and now like just in the past years like a couple of years I've been like wait what do I actually want for myself and like trying to break free from mm-hmm. all the rules so it's so cool to like hear about your journey and all the things that you're doing and just how you're carving out your own serious path (laughs) yeah no they're all very much constructs like you can live a comfortable life here Mm -hmm. if you have the freedom to do that um and you know not really any obligations you can they're all constructs of of what is supposed to be you know, but we're here, it's a very simple life. Like we go to the ukai ukai to buy clothes for just a few like pesos, you know, and it's like, you don't need to buy, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's a very simple and beautiful, cut it down, like cut it, just, just break it down to what will truly make you and happy. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh man, this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for talking to great. me. Oh my gosh, Thank I you, love Liz. this. I'm so excited for like my life after talking to you. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just feel empowered. 